0: This is Comic Tating, the comic book review arm of the Nerdables family of podcasts. And as always, Comic Tating is generously sponsored by Earth 2 Comics. Let the nerds take over! Us! Huh? Welcome back, everyone. Sebastian and I are here again. At Earth Comics Northridge to discuss the latest week in DC Rebirth. Kind of a small week, which is a good thing because I think both of us are ready to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. There is a, uh, I don't know those of you who are listening, if anyone's listening, in Southern California, if you know the, the Chain Dog House. It's a hot dog, sausage, and burger chain. It is opening a new location here in Northridge just a couple doors down from the shop, which is death for me. But today they did their... I guess it'd be like a soft opening or a yeah, training yep. opening where they're offering free food for just a couple of hours, and we decided to go and uh, feast we're, on we're, the free food. Yes. With
1: the fries and tater the Fries tans. and
0: chili and cheese and bacon and peanut slaw that was in your yeah it It was another night in bangkok
1: yeah another night in bangkok it's uh like a thai curry bratwurst and it was surprisingly good spicy but it had the sweetness of the peanut uh, slaw i wanted to try the weirdest thing that i could find on the menu and that was definitely it but i was
0: not disappointed yeah that way if it's bad you're like well it was free
1: yeah exactly i can't complain too much
0: yeah so there's one back in my hometown so i've been there a couple of times and i always get the brat so this is the first time I've actually had their hot dog, <laughs> like for places it's a hot dog place. I'm like I always get the brats because you can get hot dogs in a whole bunch of places. But so if in the middle of this we just start nodding off, that's probably it. You'll hear me labored breathing as my body tries to adjust to all of the chili uh, and meat.
1: That's the that's the chili taking over.
0: Yes, he's more chili now than man. To do that with poquito moss, man. Just uh, you once get the... like beans on the side, and there's the burritos are so big, and then beans on the side. And there was a day I had it for lunch and I come back to work and I just had that, you know, I was like, I was like Darth Poquito Mas, more beans than man. And it's like, just so sleepy now. Yeah.
1: I just want, I just want to sleep.
0: Yeah. I definitely just want to take a nap.
1: Work off all the calories in the sleep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how it is. Try to put your body in such a state that it has to use your calories in order to just simply stay alive and work that way. Um, Luckily, I read the books before, <laughs> to a certain degree, because I think reading comics right now would put me to sleep. We're going to try and get the energy back. We're going to go for it. Uh, it's a small week, small-ish week. There's a lot of Rebirth titles. There's a lot of uh, new ones. There is a Batgirl number 2, Action Comics and Detective are this week, which again, Detective is our like highest recommendation, I think. Hal Jordan is this week as well. Uh, but there's a couple of 1s and a Rebirth special. We're going to start with a Rebirth special. It is Blue Beetle. Uh, it is... Jaime Reyes and Ted Cord. Reyes Together. has the Reyes has the scarab, and Cord is kind of like his benefactor, helping him out. Uh, Keith Giffen does the writing. Scott Collins does the art, along with uh, Romulo Ferrero Far- Far- Oof!
1: Far- it's a, another week. Yeah, yeah, another week. Another. It's not it's, name not. it's not a week. Yeah, that I, I got to
0: butcher butcher it. R O M U L O the first name f-a-j-a-r-o-o for junior for the last name there uh and cully hamner does the, the variant cover which is kind of cool it's good to uh, see we can cully. we can
1: pronounce cully and we can we pronounce, can pronounce Hammer. yes
0: yes i'm actually a big cully hamner fan so i enjoy his stuff so keep giffen back to writing blue beetle of course giffen is uh, a part along with um jam uh, to mattis. mattis thank you did the legendary justice league international run uh, all but starring Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, um, the greatest was, comedic pairing, yes.
1: uh, in DC history. A book that was very, very different. Sorry, I mean, people Sugar and Spike for fans. It. Yeah,
0: uh, for a book that had the Justice League moniker on it, was a very, very different book.
1: Yes, it was, and you know, it's one of those books that I can still pick up. I have one of the older collections and just read, and like, this is just still really fun. They don't make a lot of, they don't make too many dated jokes. But it's got Blue Beetle, it's got Ted Cord, it's got Captain Adam in it. It's yep. got uh, fire and uh, ice. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much the core team. Wasn't Gardner on that team? too? And Guy Gardner, Guy Gardner was on the team. Was on that
0: team too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was a book that I was picking up like back issues for, but then they they started collecting it in hardcover, and I have the first four. I think they discontinued the hardcovers after four. I think there's six. There was six. I don't think they're in print anymore. But yes, it is. It's definitely um. Uh, a hallmark classic and something if you've never read it and you're interested in a very different take on the justice league and the idea of the justice league uh it's a team that's funded by max lord so it's it's got those that kind of private enterprise piece to it booster gold of course is someone who is very self-centered and he's doing things for his brand and stuff like that so very fascinating book a very fun book but giffen is here riding blue beetle again jaime reyes has the scarab on his back uh, so the suit is his. Ted Cord is using his money. He's used it to build the little beetle ship bug thing. Uh, as Sebastian pointed out, kind of... Think of the owl ship from Watchmen. Right. His, uh, yeah, his it's bug blue, ship. blue, yeah. And it's got cool legs on it.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, the book is very fun. Uh, uh, especially Keith Giffen and Dematis brought a lot of character to a lot of the B characters at DC. When you think of Booster Gold... When you think of Blue Beetle, when you think of Guy Gardner, especially those three, their personalities are heavily entrenched in a lot of the lore that Keith Giffen and James mattis brought to things like Justice League International. I'd say Booster Gold wasn't around for very long before
0: he became he Justice League. He wasn't. No, no, moment, so. uh, he
1: wasn't. But he got a lot of his personality from there. And when yeah. you read uh, later runs like Jeff Johns' Booster Gold run, and of course, uh, spoilers, Ted Cord was killed Uh a couple years back, in uh, was it uh, was it Infinite Crisis? I think
0: it was, yeah, in the countdown. In the, the countdown to
1: Infinite Crisis, he was killed and now he's seemingly back with no, yeah, release. he was
0: he was reintroduced in the new 52. Yes, he was. It was one of the things, one of the things they changed is that Ted Cord was alive, but the one thing, and, and the book doesn't clear it up and I can't remember, is if Ted Cord was never actually the Blue Beetle. Like the Scarab right. Beetle, he was just someone who was a costumed hero, right? To a certain degree, I mean, almost like a Batman type, or even Ollie Queen is someone who had a lot of money and decided to use it and be a to superhero. kind of, yeah, to be a superhero to kind of further their ways. Because he was, did he have the Scarab in JLI, or was it just him running on the Beetle? Monitor? I think that didn't come till later. I mean, we yeah. could be
1: wrong. It's uh, it's been uh, quite some time since I read a lot of the Blue Beetle stuff outside of Justice League International uh, dealing with Ted Cord. So please uh, let us know. But for the most part, I, a lot of the the Scarab lore, if I'm not mistaken, didn't come till a little bit after so Justice League International, where he was still in the blue costume. He had his uh, he had his beetle gun, the ray gun that he used to carry around with him. Shoots out beetles. Yeah, he, that that would be frightening if you're <laughs> scared of bugs. Just <laughs> criminals everywhere running in covered. Fear. Yeah, covered in bugs. But. A lot of the heavy Beetle lore didn't come till later, especially because the way they redid the Beetle when they introduced Jaime Reyes is that it's like a power suit. Yeah, It has different functions and different protective modes, and it's attached to a spine at the base. And it's I almost know-
0: a, it's almost in, in, in analogous to the Black Suit for Peter. Yes, of a suit that envelops him can develop offensive and defensive powers, kind of on its own. Yeah. You know, it's a suit of armor to a certain degree, but it also manifests weapons. It manifests, uh, you know, shields in the form of bug wings. Um, you know, you've got sonic cannons and there's one in here where his hand turns into a mace. Right. And so even for it's... a
1: character like Ted Cord, uh, especially when they introduced a lot of the scarab beetle lore, uh, the way they sort of treated Ted Cord was that he was also conducting research into how the scarab worked. Right. More so than it being part of his own repertoire of
0: technologies. Yeah. And that, that theme is here as we were introduced to Jaime. We, uh, they kind of reestablish where he's at. He is still in high school. He's still living with his parents. He has a younger sister. He's living in El Paso, Texas. He's got these two friends that are kind of snapping with each other. And then he gets called away by Ted because there is a, uh, a, a pair of supervillains that have taken over like a coffee shop or something. And they are calling for Blue Beetle, you know, calling him out to come and get us. And calling you out, Blue
1: Beetle. Calling you out.
0: Listen, brother, it's just you and me in the ring.
1: Yeah, yeah. They basically like mess up the place, and then they just like carve in giant letters, you know. uh, Yeah. Bring bring Blue 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 Beetle.
0: And they spell Beetle wrong.
1: Yeah, and they look. They they have like a crazy ninja, almost luchador-esque look to
0: them. And I immediately they have giant giant mouths. Yeah, yeah, big teeth. The giant, things, yeah. like
1: their mask is like giant teeth, almost, almost like uh, the old Dark Horse mask. Oh yeah, with the yeah. the giant like white Chiclet teeth. And they uh, they basically call him out in the middle of this coffee shop as they're getting coffee.
0: Yeah, so the fight starts, and really what it what this establishes, like I said in the beginning, is where Jaime's situation is at home, um, his two friends here, whose names I forget. <laughs> This I don't even know if their names were put in here.
1: I can, I can edit around this. Don't worry.
0: Mm-hmm. So he goes, you know, basically he's leaving for school. He's walking with his friends. We get kind of the dynamic between his two friends.
1: We see his sister. We see his sister her first. Her sister's friend.
0: Out, and it kind of establishes that family dynamic. The kid is, is that the, the little sister is out like, hey, I'm going somewhere after school. You didn't tell me. Yeah, I did. You got to be home by this, you know. And then Jaime leaves. It's sort of like, oh, look at me. And now I look a little bit better. Uh, you know, we do discover Jaime's parents are, are together living there. His two friends are kind of bickering. before he gets to school and it looks like they know uh, you know they know who he is, before he gets to school, Ted calls him and says that you need to go take care of this and it starts into the scarab and he becomes Blue Beetle. And then we see his relationship with Ted and really the, the crux of it is that Jaime went to Ted to get help figuring out how to take this this thing off of his back and Ted is more interested in in Jaime being a superhero and kind of fulfilling his responsibility so there's a lot of banter um, a lot done, of mentee
1: mentor yeah
0: and it's done very well the the, the, the villains are kind of fun and funny too um, it actually through here I'm a big Scott Collins fan Collins did a really nice run on Flash a number of years ago and he's been kind of hopping in and out of some stuff um, but his stuff to me is it's very energetic it's very fast paced there's a lot, uh, a
1: lot of really, really well structured action in the book.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of detail. It's a lot of, uh, you know, there's pieces flying all over the place. This is a, a place that's kind of run down as these guys have kind of beat it up. So there's rocks and debris and trash and stuff through there. There's stuff that's Coffee. falling over. Yep, since Sundollar Coffee is in here, and we were discussing it before we started recording. You know, we love the idea, especially in the DC universe where they kind of owned these kind of names like Sundollar, which was obviously supposed to be Starbucks, uh, but they made that their own. Instead of, you know, a lot of people would just be like, it's Stan... Bucks. Stan Bucks. Stan Bowls coffee. You know, it's sort of that very close... Sony instead of Sony if yep. you're with The Simpsons. Um, but here, they took something and just said Sundollar instead of Starbucks. And it became something that's really synonymous with the DC Universe. Much like their, their fictional cities that gave them uh, a chance to kind of use those cities to develop their own personality right. metropolis and gotham and, and make them and a little city more allegorical city. yeah it allows you to do more with them yeah you don't have to really you know gotham in a way people always try to compare it to a city I say, gotham is kind of like a mix in new york and chicago to a yeah. certain degree to me you know and you've got people say uh, metropolis is st louis and other people say no Cusco city is or uh, not coast city uh, keystone is st louis but it's it's kind of fun to kind of do that but in dc it gives them their own personality Sun Dollar has kind of its own personality you know, it's you, you know you're in the DC universe when you see something like Sun Dollar Coffee. Right. I'm sure it's probably something they have trademarked. They should start opening coffee shops.
1: I wouldn't mind a shirt a Sun Dollar Coffee shirt. Sun Dollar Coffee shirt. Got to be somewhere. I have I, a
0: Ferris I, Aircraft shirt somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they did the Ferris Aircraft shirt. And I, was, I, so I also want uh I also want uh, I, the name suddenly has escaped me, but the bar that Guy Gardner uh that Guy Gardner owned in space where they brought uh, all
0: the aliens uh beer just called the space and bar. burgers when you think about it. There is um, in last week's, was it last week? Or uh, I can't remember what issue I was reading. Oh, it's uh, a Spider Woman from Marvel. Just as a total aside. So they're in a bar and it's much like Clark's bar was in the Wildstorm universe where okay. it's a neutral area. You can be a hero, you can be a villain, you can be whatever. As long as you're there, you're not allowed to fight. It's a, you know, you can't really do anything. Yeah, the Highlander talk. sacred ground. It yeah. is, uh, it's Black Bolt's bar. And that's why the troops can be easily enforced because Black Bolt just can say half a word and the whole thing right. will float. It's called, gets a bar. it's called The Quiet Room. Let's, we'll go back to what we we're talking about. What we're talking about, the issue we're talking about, Blue Beetle. Um, I liked it. It's it's a, I like the dynamic between the two of them, uh, even though Jaime's really kind of straightforward. He definitely yeah, plays the straight man to it. And, and Cord is kind of like a classic nerd. Where he's just super interested. And you're like, oh, it's just so cool what your suit can do. Like, he's, you can tell he's kind of jealous. So I was half expecting the issue to end with, um, with the scarab coming back to Ted, which I thought would have been a mistake anyway, because I think people are excited to see, uh, Jaime back in a book. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. There, there's, um, necessarily a twist at the end but it's kind of a cool thing you know, Scared may not be what we think it is right we get yeah. to see
1: another classic DC character yeah. coming back and we got uh, we need a little bit more information on who they are now yeah so that's, that's always fun
0: yeah so uh, Blue Beetle definitely gets gets high marks again it's uh, and I think I thought it worked very well as a rebirth issue uh, it does set up pretty much everything
1: right it tells you about Ted Kord
0: tells their relationship about, yep. yeah everything it tells you about Jaime Reyes
1: there. it gives you everything you need to know in a really really good one shot issue.
0: Yeah, uh, let's move on to the number ones for this week. We have Deathstroke number one. The Rebirth issue was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, might have just been two weeks ago. Uh, Christopher Priest is writing, as he was in the Rebirth uh, issue, and Carlo pagulan is doing the pencils, which he also did the Rebirth issue, which is weird because a lot of the Rebirth issues have different artists than than the number ones. But uh, pagulan's doing the pencils. Jason Paz does the inks. Jeremy Cox does the color. Uh, I, I know there's something good here because I really, I like Christopher priest and I trust Christopher priest. And part of it may have been just me kind of reading it quickly to get to the review section. And I think it deserves another chance. I, I felt lost.
1: I can understand that. There's a lot of the, the the way the story is structured is, is very interesting. The, the clock King is the bad guy. Yeah. And there's a lot of jumping uh, back and forth through time and it has flashbacks. So there is a lot of that going on it's also, it, the story moves really, really fast. Because last yeah. time, in the last issue, we had uh, Deathstroke sort of, uh, you know, the the people who were sort of taking him, and they're like, oh, you guys are going to kill me? They're like, no, 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 we want, you know, if you don't kill us, you know, we just want we just want to be left alone in peace. We'll help you out, whatever. We just don't want to die. Uh, so they fake Deathstroke's, uh, Deathstroke's death. And that's sort of where we pick up. So after Deathstroke has found his old friend in the cave... He gets a new suit, and that's where we sort of start bouncing around through time.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a, there's there's three different uh, sections of time that we go through. You know, we have a lot to do with Destro's family, uh, Slade Wilson's family his, in the uh, past, and his, his also his his, time. his friends' past too. Yeah, his time with Wintergreen, um, who plays a big role, obviously in this. His his wife. I do have to say, it was Adeline. Adeline. Uh, Wintergreen has the best line of Adeline Velociraptoris as always. <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic. Um, but like I said, it's it's something where I know there's something really good here. I don't know if I wrapped my head around it. Uh, and, I can totally and I, understand. I feeling. take the blame for that because I'm still not a hundred percent sure what exactly is going on. What the main story? And, is. Yeah, and what all these pieces kind of fit into it. Right. I think the main story is basically who was slayed. And then also his kind of his relationship with Wintergreen here, that uh, you know we see in the last issue, he finds him, or the rebirth issue, he finds him after some time, and then we kind of we kind of go from there. Uh, Carlos Pagán's art is fantastic, right? I like his, uh, you know, as someone who is a kind of a you know a, a military fan and someone who likes action comics stuff like that, I always appreciate, you know, good looking. Uh, firearms that, that are done well, well you know, if it's a real firearm it's research, if it's not, at the very least it looks, you know, I guess realistic would be the best word, so he's got a lot of that good stuff through here as well, so...
1: Yeah, the book is filled, uh, filled it's also uh, and as much as I enjoyed the book but I can understand the confusion because there's two or three double crosses that they sort yeah. of recap and go over. It's
0: like, yeah, you're up into like quadruple or, yeah. or sextet crosses at this point.
1: And we are getting a little bit more information about the situation going on in this uh, fake African country. We learn of a little bit of the political intrigue and Slade killed a U.S. senator who uh, finally... Yeah, that's dis- the first scene, by the way. Yeah, who tried to who finally gave in an okayed uh, or, or was planning to okay
0: the military intervention? Well, no, he was going to stop it. He was going to stop it. That's he was, what... he was, the, yeah, he was the biggest name to stop it. Uh, they were guaranteeing his reelection because the other two, the other two people in the race would have voted for it. Right. I think it's kind of interesting because, of course, he has to be a Republican senator because he's the bad guy apparently, but he's the one as a Republican voting to stop a military intervention. And like usually it doesn't seem to be the other way around. Right. I usually tell you the Republican's are the one that does and it. And it's
1: the uh it, because of the Super Pack. There's like a yeah. the, the Humans for Peace Super PAC decides to fund his campaign to not intervene. And the uh then we find out that Slade has, of course, some information on him. He decides to off himself. But the uh, but then the double crosses start to show up and then you get to triple crosses and it becomes a really, really interesting. And I, I, I do agree, especially because Christopher Priest knows how to either do, like, really, really well done action, you know, get you the straightforward story. Or he also is kind of a master at really slow burns, because there yeah. is a lot of political intrigue that has just been
0: introduced into the story. Well, I said it's kind of like, for me, two writers I can think of, it, especially someone in, like, Jonathan Hickman, where I can... I read an issue of Jonathan Hickman stuff and I know I may not be a hundred percent sure of what the heck's going on, but I know there's something there because it's still good. Everything is executed well. and That's not my complaint. There's, there's books that there's another book that we read this week from another company or that I read this week uh, from another company that is so incredibly fast paced. It feels like there are just huge chunks of information missing. And to me, it's something where it's like, I don't know what's going on and I'm not blaming myself. I'm blaming the creator because that creator is not giving me the information I need. I believe in this book, the information is there. I need to be more pulling the strings to kind of figure out where it is and where you're not figuring it out is intentional on priest's part. The pieces that are missing the info that's missing to be able to put all the puzzle pieces to get the, the image, whatever pieces are missing, I think are they've intentionally. Been, yeah, missing. They've been just deliberately obscured. So
1: he can use that information later on. He knows how to really build his story structure. And I think, especially reading Christopher priest now versus Christopher priest a long time ago is that he moved into uh, writing novels for a very long time before getting back into comics. And I think he's sort of taken what he's learned there about saving and utilizing the story structure to reintroduce ideas or to introduce hidden pieces to, to interesting effect. And I feel like I'm enjoying this so far, especially because I I enjoy a good mystery and I feel like there's a mystery here to solve, but it also feels like as a collected trade paperback, will just be incredibly gratifying to read, too, because yeah. now I've got everything in one shot, but i got to wait. And I at the end of that issue, I immediately went like, dang it, now i got to wait like two weeks before the next one.
0: Yeah, like Remender, and again, I'll go back to Remender and Hickman, because Hickman was like this Fantastic Four. Cause yes. the, first, yeah. the first third of Hickman's run in Fantastic Four is like, wait, what? Like, what the hell is going on? There's all these different pieces. The last third of that run is a masterpiece of comic storytelling, where yes. threads from years come together into these beautiful tapestries that if you have a soul will hit you oh yeah it will make you cry i mean it's amazing what hickman was able to do with that book remender did the same thing with um uncanny x-force where this is there's this beautiful big piece not necessarily as as uh there wasn't as much obscured or there wasn't as much but it's the same idea where the beginning he kind of takes your hand and like just keep following me it's okay it's going to be all right. right. It's not going to pay off in issue two. It's not going to pay off in issue three. Something like detective comics where it's just bam, 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 bam. You're getting action every issue. Right. There's a larger storyline, but they're not trying to hold anything back to a certain degree. Right. It's more straightforward. And for that it, that comic, it works very, very well. For this comic, it works well for the type of story that Christopher Priest is, right. is telling. So that's why I, I want to be clear. For me, it's it may be a struggle, but I, I, I think and I'm imploring the listener along with me to keep going. Right, you know, to keep getting in there and kind of feed those pieces and see that slow burn, because some of those, I mean, those are some of the. It's it's hard to get that type of story to continue to exist as everybody looks for that instant gratification. Yes, yeah. Um, and but when you allow someone to move, again, Marvel editors have talked about this with Hickman's Fantastic Four run, going wherever it's at, we're letting him just go, because we want to get to the end. And when you get to the end, if you stuck through that run, oh my goodness, it was right. amazing. So, and, and for the art alone, though, Deathstroke is fantastic. I love that cover. Oh, the cover's awesome. The cover's, yeah, the cover's awesome. fantastic and gives you kind of a, a sense of some characters that maybe we haven't been introduced to yet. And a sense of history for, for yeah. Deathstroke.
1: There's a lot in that cover that speaks to a lot of Deathstroke's own yeah, history. Yeah, we see,
0: we see his, uh, uh, this, his there's, a little, there's a little nugget in it between his wife. Basically, his wife says that she trained him. Right,
1: and they have a bit of a tussle, yeah. and she may also have some uh, heightened abilities as yeah. well from whatever program they were a part of so we're getting new information about his family too
0: yeah i think that'll all pay off and because it is through. a flashback we don't
1: know where she or the kids are at, at exactly at the present in yeah the i think story. That
0: that's all going to turn into, into so a, important a, a, pieces important pieces uh finally for this weekend we're only going to do three issues this week there's only three like brand new type issues or number ones uh we finally have number one for hellblazer yes uh, again the rebirth issue was about a month ago um but worth it if you're waiting for more that's art uh simon oliver is the writer number of colorists here um we open in sarajevo june 28 1914 which of course is the assassination of franz ferdinand which leads the world into world war one I. I have to say when i first saw it i'm gonna admit my own stupidity i looked at like, 1914 is way too late I was like, is, wasn't the war over by 14? And even in the store, we're like, was it? No, wait. What until so we looked up the timeline. We're like, oh, yeah, it's exactly it. The war doesn't end until 1917. I thought it was earlier. I don't know why. Um, but we have the assassin that's there, and we have uh, someone who's about to stop it, and a, a friend or a brother or someone, someone he knows stops him from stopping the assassination. And then we uh, move forward. We're in present day. And we meet with John in South London, who is woken up to discover that um, uh, Swamp Thing it's, it's is living, in, his, is in, living Chaz's... In, in Chaz's greenhouse. And uh, just in the first couple of pages, the way that, that John talks to Chaz and Chaz, he is very set in England. Yes. It is very much, if you've watched any English comedies, it's very boom, boom. There's not more than two lines before someone else is in, so it's very rat-a-tat-tat-tat. And then there are um, they definitely use the slang um, I mean, so, yeah, doing 10 years inside for a bin liner a bin liner of dodgy homegrown. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm assuming that's weed or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then from there we kind of, we go back to how the events of the Rebirth special concerning Swamp Thing is he intervened on John's behalf through the Justice League, or the Justice League shows up and Swamp Thing convinces them just let him go, let him finish let him, it. He's
1: got something important to do. I There's guess. a she plan. We
0: so we see how that comes about, and then we go back and meet his uh, his Mercury character, I guess which, it's, which
1: it's, is which is interesting because that was a character they introduced in the first issue very briefly, very briefly, who seemed kind of unconnected, but again she was shown. Which means that it was a character that was going to come back, and I enjoy that that Swamp Thing is got his own little story arc in this book, mm-hmm. especially because Swamp Thing doesn't currently have a series anymore. Right, but they take a big page out of the uh, the Jeff Lemire, yeah, uh, Swamp Thing and Animal Man stuff.
0: Yeah, with the green and with the rot the, and the red. Yes,
1: so that stuff is all still staying around. But I like that they're also saying that Swamp Thing is still partially human or at one point was a human being too so they haven't completely erased that classic uh yeah. origin for swamp thing so
0: the, the crux of the this is that uh uh swamp thing shows to, to john to kind of get that favor back um you know basically john asks him for a favor and swamp Thing says you owe me something in return and this is what it is and even then i don't really want to say much about it because i yeah. think it's a, it's an interesting part
1: it's something that it's going to probably be very important later on
0: yeah but we see uh but the the crux of the 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 story that we're in is these two brothers or characters they they show up back through the end and get into an argument they talk that you know obviously they've, they've got long lives they've lived for well over 100 years um they talk about the creator Constantine as a as a book as a title in its history has always had religious undertones uh Jamie Delano who started the book Warren Ellis Garth Enos of course Garth Enos is is ripe with uh, discussing theology, God and the devil and, and the differences between and our feelings towards them. Um, so the creator that's mentioned in here, we don't know whether that creator means the classic Judeo-Christian God or right. even the devil or, even, uh, or, or something else. Well, if you know anything about the history
1: of the DC Universe, the in Green Lantern especially, they talk about the creation of the universe and all you ever get is that blue hand holding the Big Bang, which yeah. played a very big part in... The DC Rebirth special, yeah.
0: Um, so and, uh, wherever
1: that leads, and if that goes in the direction a lot of people think it goes, then
0: well, it's interesting thing here because there's there's um I want to say it was like the Free Comic Book Day edition for uh, was it Blackest Night or something along those that it shows these different pieces in the history of the world for DC and it shows Cain and Abel, it shows the first murder, right? So. Was that in
1: that Grant Morrison Batman?
0: I don't think so. I think it was because it was the creation of the different spectrum. Okay. So it was was either Sinisterial War. Yeah, because that was was the part of the red, and Redemption was this. And and so when I read it, I remember thinking they're sort of alluding to the idea that the Judeo-Christian history is a part of the DC universe in one way or another. As you read these two characters, you kind of think of Cain and Abel even though one of them has survived, obviously. Right. Um, they're talking about hiding out from the creator. That, that That's one of the reasons that they don't want to draw attention to themselves. Well, yeah, and he even that says, do guy... you think
1: the creator cares about what happens down yeah. here? And again, if you if you are into the theories, especially with Rebirth, that's sort of the big one. Uh, and the big theory going around is that in the Adam Hughes, Dr. Manhattan, Before Watchmen story, they, there's a moment where he is talking about other worlds and other universes and other timelines, maybe better places than the current universe of the Watchman that he lives. And he is holding in his hand, you know, he picks up some grains of sand from the Martian surface, and he has sort of the the universe in his hand, or is, you know, he's got the sparkles, got the he's got the whole world, world. in his hands.
0: In his hands the whole...
1: No, 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 that's that's very very apt because mm-hmm. then when you jump to the first rebirth special. We deal with the introduction, potentially, of Watchmen characters, mm-hmm. and we are once again uh, shown the classic DC origin of the universe, which is the big blue hand sparking creation. And
0: I especially... Because are always uh, kind of alluded to the um, the Guardians. Yes, for, for the Guardians, Lantern, the Guardians of, kind of, of the Universe. You but never now want we... to go to the
1: beginning of time, because at the beginning of time, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, you can't handle it. Seeing what's back there, but they've shown it to us before. Very surreal yeah. moment. Uh, they even did it in uh, an episode of Justice League Unlimited. And if the creator is Dr. Manhattan, then he is very much a checked out creator, Yeah, which is a potential implication of that. Mm-hmm. And then that begs the question who is God? Who is the devil? Who are all these
0: demons? Jeff Johns is God. De- Jeff Johns is God. Jeff Johns is God. In terms of the DC, we know that Jeff Johns is God. Um, the art is always more taught. Fucking amazing! Just really, really, really well done. Very subtle, very clean. Um, oh, always clean. I great love faces, re- tell the characters. Uh, you know, there's a lot of non superhero, non costume wearing characters in here. Very unique faces. Yes.
1: Uh, more. Uh, I love Morita from a series called Elephant Men, and he carries on mm-hmm. that beautiful artwork here. But the faces are all very, very uniquely structured. The way he. Uh, the way he positions eyes and nose on the face, the way he handles a lot of facial expressions is very, very different. Yeah,
0: but um, yeah, I, I I really like this. It's kind of a return to form for Constantine. Very if much. You yeah. For if Cousin, you read Hellblazer before, again, you know the classic run that Jamie Delano started. This is, is very much in the same vein. Um, the same kind of slowish burn. The same kind of there's something there below the surface. John is still a total cad. Uh, but there's also pieces you know, where he's there. You know, something has happened. There's something uh, under his surface. He's uh, there's there's pieces towards the end where people are asking him questions about uh, in a case like family or children or what have you. And, you, and there's enough there. And again, with Moritat's art, you can tell that his his face visibly changes there is something else that happened in New York and as we keep going forward, we'll find out what that is. And
1: that's that's, going to be a big crux of the story is what happened in his life in New York and even the character of Mercury kind of gives him that pop quiz about, you know, you had so much promise. What happened to you?
0: What made you you? Yeah, what makes you from someone who could have been uh, a, a warlock or whatever for great good. sorcerer uh, yeah to basically just being a guy who runs equivalent around. yeah the equivalent of you know card tricks or
1: whatever so, uh, the the is the basically the the spiritual the spiritual exterminator the spiritual garbage yeah. man but
0: in a way i mean just like in the old series the people around him don't know what he really does uh, right. there's a there's a great uh, the last trade that they just released uh, they're re-releasing uh Hellblazer in big, huge, complete volumes. And it's up to volume 14, but it's the, uh, the wonderful Azarello and Corbin run when he's in prison. Right. And again, going back to Watchmen, it's the Rorschach, you know, I'm not in here with them. They're in here with me. And it is such a convoluted piece. And it just seems like, Oh, he's out to screw these guys over, but it really is like, he's helping to save a big part of these pieces. You know, he's, he's protecting people. He's saving people. He kind of puts on, if you, read, if you read a lot of that old Hellblazer, it's kind of that Wolverine feel, too, where he's like, I'll take on all the bad stuff so that nobody else has to. Right, right. And it's going to screw a lot of people over, but someone's got to do it, and I'll take it. I'll be yeah. the bad guy. It's
1: that, it's that hero of the heart of, heart, hero yeah. The heart of gold.
0: Yeah, and, but doesn't show it. You know, but it he doesn't like show a, it. Yeah, it's a black heart of gold, you know, or heart of black gold if you want. So it's the,
1: underneath, the, underneath the black heart is, is one of gold, and he's willing to be the guy with a ruined reputation to protect yeah, the earth.
0: Yeah, it's worth it for him to be able to do it uh, so yeah that's going to wrap up the issues that we're doing this week I think we're getting towards the end of the new stuff so we will probably be branching out in the next week or two I know um, our producer on our other show uh, Rich actually asked me this week he's like how many more weeks are you doing a Just Rebirth and I was like as long as they're doing number ones and rebirth specials we'll probably be doing those but uh, you know last week we had Bond talk for 20 minutes um, I'm sure we'll get into that as we kind of find some of our favorite pieces we may talk about some of the trades that are out or, or coming out <clears throat> that we're excited about and we'll look into some other comics as well uh, but we'll be continuing the Rebirth uh, trail I guess for probably a couple weeks longer as long as there's number ones and Rebirth specials out but it's got to be getting towards the end there. Um, that's all I have. you have anything else to add? No,
1: no. Enjoy the books this week. Yeah. Not a lot but a lot of good stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a good chance to also pick up some stuff if you haven't uh, if you haven't picked up some of the other issues it's, it's probably a good week for it like I said, it's a really small week it was fairly easy to to process um the, the mounds of product that we get it was actually a, a smaller week for us to process through so for my partner sebastian this is chris and we will talk to you next week oh my